Life Audio. On the next Encouragement for You, Dr. Rex Rogers of SAT7 talks about overcoming fear, and therapist Dr. Gary Oliver discusses dealing with conflict. Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast, brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. first human emotion after Adam and Eve disobeyed God was fear, according to Genesis chapter 3. Ever since that time, fear has been a dominant negative emotion. On this edition of Encouragement for You, SAT7 President Dr. Rex Rogers joins host Don Hawkins to talk about how we can overcome our fears. Now, fear is something that evidently is a, we'd have to say, is a fact of life in a fallen world. And uh, you've picked out that great verse from Psalm 23 as a starting place. And uh, there's a lot in the Bible about fear, isn't there? Uh, Actually, fear or some version of it's mentioned over 400 times in the Bible. But equally encouraging or much encouraging is over 360 times God says, do not be afraid fear not, or some version of that kind of comment. Would it be safe to assume that everybody has fears? I think so. Uh, Fear is an emotion. There are theologians who say that God actually gave us fear. You think, wow, why? Well, fear can protect us. If a grizzly bear jumps out in front of you uh, on the trail, uh, you need to be afraid and take some action. (laughs) So fear can be positive. But, of course, fear can be negative and controlling, and Satan steps in and uses it to hurt us. Uh, Rex, sometimes people develop what we might call false fears. Talk about those. Yeah, I think that's a uniquely human thing. Animals are afraid, but they don't invent fears, as far as we know, of things that don't exist. But human beings, with our imagination and our emotions and our experiences, uh, we can come up with all kinds of fake fears. Now, they affect us dramatically, just as much as something real and threatening, but they are not necessarily real. So it can become controlling, and it can be uh, something that takes over our lives in in the way that we're motivated more by fear than faith. Some fears are false fears, but Rex, some people have real fears that literally uh, could go to panic attacks or agoraphobia, fear of being out in public, or uh, other kinds of fear. Absolutely, and in no way do we want to make fun of those things. I think when people laugh, it's because they haven't experienced that, but all of us have experienced fears of one kind or another, everyday fears. There's fear of failure, fear of embarrassment or loneliness, fear of financial issues, concerns. As we get older, sometimes fear of our own mortality or disease. I think fear of disease or illness in our loved ones, uh, that can cause more fear than illness in ourselves and fear of the future or of our own sin. So there's lots of sources of this. And the media today, of course, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. And so there's so much on the media in a way of terrorism and apocalyptic kinds of things that, you know, (laughs) you almost can't get away from the fact it seems like the whole world's collapsing in on top of you. 
Yeah, everything. So what yeah. is the answer to that? Well, and that's ultimately where God's Word has some solutions for us relative to fear. And uh, there's a great deal on the subject of, as we mentioned, fear not. Uh, but I think about Hebrews thirteen six, a great statement talks about we can boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Uh, and then I think about Psalm 56, 3, where the psalmist said, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in the Lord. And Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Rex, it seems like we're really saying two very important parallel truths. Fear is a very common human emotion. But trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and the confidence in his word can liberate us from fear, whether we're living in the Middle East and North Africa or living in the United States. I believe that, Don, and one of my questions or concerns about, I'll call it secular counseling, I'm not against counseling, but secular values and ideas is so often they say, well, just look inside yourself. Yeah. You know, make a decision. Well, inside of me is the problem. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, if you look at Shepherd David there in the book of Psalms, even that Psalm 23, that precious Psalm where he talks about even in the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Yes. Your point a moment ago. The only way we can overcome fear is that the Spirit of God can enable us to overcome fear, and that happens through the Word of God, and not through some magic abracadabra but because the Spirit of God is greater than anything that we face. Yeah. I was talking with a couple in one of the countries located not too far from the epicenter of the Middle East, and uh, they were talking about living in a neighborhood where they are the only Christian family, and uh, they live next door to a mosque, and uh, in their neighborhood, uh, they have actually uh, had threats to their children, and uh, they are literally living in fear. And I spent some time praying with them. Uh, do you think say, a fear is one of Satan's tools to defeat believers in the Christian church in the Middle East and North Africa? And uh, if that's the case, what does God's Word tell us uh, to do about it? Uh, absolutely. I think it's happening in the United States, too. As a kind of tangent here for a second, there was a recent survey in the United States that 80% of people who attend church, these hmm. are churchgoers, 80% yeah. said they had moderate to significant levels of fear. These are believers. Now, you go into the Middle East, North Africa, where they don't have the church. They have things like Sat7, hmm. if they can listen to it, but they don't have the fellowship and community and reinforcement and encouragement of the church. It can be very difficult. At the same time, I've met many Christians in the Middle East. Their their faith is amazing. It usually convicts me because they are so resilient. That's always the word I use. Yeah. They don't often fear persecution. They see it as an opportunity in Algeria or in Iran. They want to be on camera. Now, they're not dumb. They're not flaunting. <laughs> they're yes. not, you know, it's not wave a flag at the bull. But they are confident in their faith same time we're ministering in Afghanistan. I got a couple testimonies here where they're writing about how extremely difficult it is for anybody to express faith in Christianity and Christ. How does Sat7 speak biblical encouragement into this crisis? Uh, well, we provide people, first of all, with biblical truth. We, just like the psalmist David, we remind them of who God is, what is his character, his person, his presence, his promises, and that he is a God who fulfills his promises. He is there. And we try to teach them, connect the dots in terms of a biblical or Christian worldview. 
so that their attitude and outlook on that which their experience is is coming out of the Bible, not out of their culture or their own emotions. We try to explain to them what biblical hope is. Hmm. And biblical hope is not, well, I hope my team wins next Saturday night because you you really— you really can't you know, have the influence on it. <laughs> right. The biblical hope is based on something that has already happened, and that's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You know, my favorite and, my favorite verse on biblical hope is Second Corinthians four fourteen, which talks about an absolute certainty about the future that we will ultimately be with the Lord as believers out of this life, out of all these troubles, based on an absolute certainty from the past, and that is the eyewitness testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We'll be back with more after a brief word from our sponsors. And don't forget to listen for Dawn's live weekend talk show, Encouragement Live, heard Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio and other radio stations around the country, as well as on the worshipchannel.org. Fear is not the only negative human emotion that resulted from the fall of the human race into sin. Another result has been conflict. During this upcoming segment, therapist and author Dr. Gary Oliver and host Don Hawkins discuss how to deal with conflict. What's the role that anger plays in conflicts, Gary? Well, see, what happens, Don, is that, and and, and let's talk maybe just in, in, in the context of, say, marriage, although... It applies to sure. others, but that'll give us a focus, if that's okay. Oh, sure. Okay, we're attracted to each other, and we're attracted in part because of our differences. So a couple gets married, and after we're married, some of those differences start to bump up against each other. And and what was cute is not cute anymore, and, you know, I like to squeeze the toothpaste tube one way, and you squeeze it another way. Mm. And so d- differences lead to conflict, and because conflict is frustrating, one of the first things that comes from conflict is, 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 is anger. We become negative, we become critical, we push for our own way, and once anger comes in the picture, uh, that kind of distorts everything else. Mm. Okay, so anger does play a role in conflict. Uh, would you say conflict comes first and then anger, or anger comes first and then conflict, or can we really resolve that in a chicken and egg fashion? Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I was just going to say, Don, it is more of a chicken and egg kind of thing, but, but, but oftentimes, I think more often than not, the conflict, because see, sometimes... People can have now. This would not apply to you and me, of course. But, yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you. Uh, you know, others. People can have conflict over little, tiny things. I mean, I can't count literally the thousands of couples I've worked with that had these these, these huge knockdown, dragout fights. Mm, yeah. And when you distill everything down, it was over some puny, small little thing yeah. that neither one could believe could lead to that kind of. You know, conflict. Yeah, and sometimes it just escalates like a forest fire, raging out of control, and you say things, you begin to bring uh, ancestry into bear, you begin to question the whole family, you uh, basically begin to say always and never and other things that ought never be said. 
and and you can even threaten divorce or departure or uh, maybe even feel downright homicidal. And and it's just amazing how these things can develop. I can't help thinking uh, that possibly even over the Valentine weekend when couples were drawing close to each other and giving each other chocolate and cards and saying those sweet nothings, some of those little conflicts might have developed that uh, became pretty big. Do you think that's a possibility? Oh, Don, it's, it's more than a possibility. You know, uh, For example, a lot of times conflicts come from unrealized expectations. I expected or I assumed you'd do this. I, I assumed you wouldn't do that. I, I was hoping for this gift. And, and when those unmet expectations hit the fan, boy, conflict can flare up. And as you said, boy, it can just spread like a wildfire. So we're talking about expectations. I expect you to keep everything neat and clean, or I'm a husband expecting a wife to have a hot meal cooked every day when I get home, even if I get home at different times, Uh, or I'm a wife who expects a husband to come home every day at the same time, even though life doesn't typically work that way. So those expectations play a role. What are some of the other causes of uh, conflicts? You've, You've mentioned just the wear and tear of life. Oh, the wear and tear of life, I think... Uh, I think, for example, gender differences can be a huge one. Uh, we, you know, uh, and, and, and if you're married, finances, yeah. uh, the sexual relationship, parenting, children, in-laws. Now, there's a uh, a one, you know. And but, but but again, the thing that I found and research supports this, Don, is that the majority of conflicts are over things that, at the end of the day, most people would say really are not that significant, not that major. Mm. We're tired. We're weary. We get caught off guard. And all of a sudden, the mouth opens up and stuff comes out, like you said, and we're going, where is that coming from? And I wish I hadn't said that. You know, that reminds me of that passage in James chapter 4 that talks about where do the wars and fightings inside of you come from? They come from the lust or desires that you have on the inside. And he literally says you can get to the point of even killing just to try to secure or to obtain those things. It's a, it's a graphic language. Fights and quarrels, they come from your desires that battle within you. You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives to oh, spend boy. on your pleasure. Pretty convicting. Boy, that, 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 that is so true. And, of course, one of the things that we've learned from our years of counseling, uh, plus our own lives, so certainly mine, is that in a relationship, and, and let's, we'll keep on marriage, but in, in, a, in a marriage relationship or others, Whenever you have a fight and one person wins, short-term, one person Mm. wins. Long-term, always, whenever one person wins, two people lose. Mm, Yeah, wow. And that's so easy to forget, isn't it? Uh, Gary, it seems to me that somehow we need to figure out the difference between a... Uh, good conflict, healthy conflict, and unhealthy. Uh, you know, how do we how do we differentiate between the negative perspective on conflict and the positive? Don, that that is really in some ways a key question because almost everybody, primarily unconsciously, whenever there's a conflict, we function as if it's negative. It's going to go south. Uh, things will just get worse. Uh, it never solves anything. And so, most people, when there's a conflict, they either when we have this negative view of it, we either avoid or we attack. And the problem is that when you attack, of course, it always makes things worse quickly. But when you avoid, whenever you bury an issue, it's buried alive. And that issue will come back in some way, shape, or form. I've, I've seen couples married over 25, 35 years 
who had some issues their first year of marriage, and, and, and you've seen this too, their first year yeah. of marriage, right. 26, 27 years later, they are struggling with, in some ways, that same issue because they never, ever really dealt with it. Yeah. So when I make a negative interpretation of conflict, that leads to fear, and that sets me up for anger, that leads to uh, frustration and the avoid or attack, and that leads to the vision or apathy in the relationship. So I really, if, if I take that negative approach, if I look at this conflict as negative and either avoid it or attack the other person, I'm really setting things up to go even further south uh, as we go down the road. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, you know, short-term it doesn't help. Long-term it really doesn't help because you're just going to keep on revisiting that issue for years to come. Yeah. Mm, boy, timely. Now what happens if I look at it as a positive or constructive thing? Okay, a, a, a positive view of conflict says, d- d- does not say that conflict's fun mm-hmm. or painless or, 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 or you, know, I, you know, I still don't enjoy conflict. But the positive view, Don, sees conflict as an opportunity to grow. Yeah. Let's pull this into your, yours and mine relationship. We'll look at yeah. really personal here. I, I, okay. I don't know that we've ever really had a conflict, but, but let's just pretend that we did. Yeah, let's suppose that uh, for some reason we were going to go out to eat, and we decided we couldn't decide which restaurant, and, and we, we really, for some reason, and again, as you said earlier, things come up in a little setting for a little uh, really inconsequential reason, and conflicts okay. grow out of those. So, so walk us down this road. Well, and so if you and I disagree, Don, that means that, 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 that you have a thought, that you have an interpretation or a feeling that's different than mine. Now, yeah. I can either take issue with that or I can say, you know what, if I want to understand my dear friend Don better, uh, then, then, then what I can do is, rather than try to convince him that he's wrong and I'm right, I can ask some questions. I can seek to understand hmm. what this looks like for him. Every conflict, Don, is a window into somebody else's mind or somebody else's heart or somebody else's way of doing things. Every conflict has the potential to help me better understand at yeah. least a part of another person. Mm. Mm. Wow. So, so look at it as an opportunity, not an obstacle. Exactly. You see, the negative view says conflict's a pain to avoid or a problem to solve. Yeah. The positive view says conflict is an opportunity to learn and to grow. And so, I mean, how many times? This Proverbs talk about seek understanding, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and it says, you know, it's more precious than gold. Now, now this is what's important, Don. Uh, so many people, when there's a conflict, their first reaction is to try to solve it. That is the worst thing you can do. We can retrain ourselves, so rather than have our first reaction to solve the conflict, our first reaction is to try to understand the other person and what's the issue about and when we start by seeking understanding, yeah. then all kinds of doors open up. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, it absolutely does. In, in fact, as you ask me questions about why in the world I was so bullheaded about wanting to go to IHOP or Denny's or somewhere that or not wanting to go to one of those places, you might come to find out from asking me questions that maybe I had a bad experience in that particular restaurant or maybe your wife had a, my wife had a bad experience in that restaurant. And, uh, but as you ask me questions about that, instead of uh, my getting upset with you and you're getting more upset with me and the conflict brewing and developing, then there's a likelihood that we'll come to an understanding and, and uh, we may wind up going to one of those places or we may wind up going somewhere else. Absolutely. You know what? When, when I ask you questions and when I try to understand you, Don, 
How does that make you feel? Well, it makes me feel valued. makes me feel appreciated. And, and and I would suspect that if, if I do the same thing, if you're asking me questions, then I'm likely to turn around and begin to ask you questions rather than just have a knee-jerk reaction. That's right. And, you know, and at the end of the day, we, you and I may not agree, but, but the wonderful thing is we'll better understand each other. We will have valued each other, and, and we may go to a third place that was not your first pick or my first pick, and have a great time there. Yeah, may have a better time than we'd have had in your first pick or my first pick. Absolutely. What's the reference in Proverbs? It says, I think it's in 15, it says, A soft answer, a gentle answer, turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. That's right. And then here's one, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 15.1 is the initial reference, and then the next one, uh, the fourth one, is the tongue that brings healing is verse 4. So that whole section, Proverbs 15.1 through 4, very worth our meditating on, our thinking about. Uh, Gary, you've helped us understand the importance of seeking to understand and be understood instead of uh, uh, that knee-jerk reaction of either avoiding or attacking. But what are the keys? What are the most important keys that we need to identify and use uh, to uh, approach healthy conflict? Okay. When we choose to see conflict as potentially positive, in other words, that, that, that conflict can lead to understanding, and, and, and we say, Lord, with your help, um, right now, I don't agree with Don, but, but he's a brother, and, and he, he, he's a friend. And, and rather than choose to try to solve this or push to get my way, God, with your help, I'm going to choose to understand. Then I'm going to ask you questions. Well, well, well first of all, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to what, what you're saying. I'm going to make sure I understand what you're saying. And then I'm going to ask you questions to clarify how long have you felt this way? When else did, did, did this happen? What are some reasons why? Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement for You with Don Hawkins, host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and lifeaudio.com. Editing by Phil Gebers, production by Elizabeth Andrade. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. Let me take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on Encouragement for You. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Stay encouraged and join us next time for Encouragement for You. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.